0: Now then, um, Tom Wilson. That's going to be one of the topics of this podcast. Tom Wilson, being Tom Wilson, we'll talk about his uh, reputation. Was it an overreaction by the league? We'll get some of your thoughts about that Tom Wilson hit and how, unfortunately, perhaps as even as Toronto Maple Leafs fans, there were some of us that found. A smidgen of sympathy for Brad Marchand, and that is something I never thought I would say on an introduction of a podcast. Uh, We'll talk about who's hot, who's not in the league at the moment. We'll talk about some coaching changes. We'll talk about a bit of a change of direction for Liam Kirk and also reflect on some of the coverage of International Women's Day as well. Is there anything else that they could expect, Joel and Kent Walker? Any wise words? He's just woken up. He's he's woken up from a night shift. I'm going to prepare you right now. His hair is growing back after a terrible, it was a terrible lockdown haircut. So what are the first words that you're going to utter as part of this podcast today?
1: uh, (laughs) The the amount of pressure that is starting to come onto me for my first words on this podcast is rather terrifying because I I do find that... um, my thoughts tend to possibly improve from a low start as, uh, as the podcast goes through through talking to people like you and Matt and uh, I, I kind of build my opinions through through you guys. but what a, what a roller coaster this season has and is just in every single way. It just seems that we've we've got the Minnesota wild storming the West and I watched last night them take apart the Vegas Golden Knights and shut them out. We've got the Leafs. Absolutely smashing the Oilers in the north and then deciding, well, that's enough. Let's lose to the absolutely god-awful Canucks in back-to-back nights. You've got another coaching change, as you said, in Calgary. There is just so much going on. And the best thing about it all is COVID is starting to become lower and lower down the agenda. Bring it on.
0: Mmm, some vaccines on the way in America. There's fans coming back to nearly half of the teams there's plenty to dig our teeth into on this episode of NHL Fans from Afar. Jolon, in my um, geeky, geeky knowledge, I learned a new fact that I, I wondered if you had heard about this. Probably Just because, not. No, no, but I, I don't know whether you might, uh, because you also follow other American sports. Mm. Like, I had never heard of the term freeway face-off. Have you? Have you heard of that? Have you heard of something called Free. the freeway series? Um,
1: oh, freeway, right. Um I thought he said three-way face-off. I was like, what? So there, what, there's three players?
0: Does that <laughs> no.
1: Like, who has two? Who has one? Um, no, I have not. No.
0: Three-way series is actually something that's in the baseball um,
1: leagues. which ah, is that uh, is a blind spot for me. Ah, <laughs> in North the, American the
0: series uh, between the Dodgers and the Angels. But I, I kept seeing this phrase on social media this week, which was three-way face-off. And I didn't know that that's actually the term that's given for the hockey rivalry between Anaheim Ducks and Los Angeles Kings. Basically, it comes from the fact mm. that you can travel from one arena to the other via the Interstate 5. And the name of it was actually uh, chosen during a poll by uh, 12,000 hockey fans.
1: That is interesting. And I did not know that. Mm, yeah. Learning so... every day.
0: Every day is a school day as we explore this crazy sport from across uh, the the pond, the big sea of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, just it does feel, well. does
1: it? It does feel bigger, doesn't it? This year, you know how we used to always talk about how we live in a small world and how yeah. it, you know they're just ah oh, they're just a stone's throw away. This year, just gone makes that feel like a, such an epic distance. Can you imagine traveling in a plane for like eight hours? Like I have barely left my living room. <laughs> Like, mm. no, travelling across the Atlantic Ocean suddenly seems like quite an ambitious task.
0: Yeah, actually, I probably should say, it might sound a bit crap where I am today, because I'm in a very echoey meeting room. You're in a um, meeting
1: room. You're actually I in another room.
0: I'm in, I'm in an office, but it's very echoey, so just bear with me this week. I don't have the usual nice microphone and stuff, and it's probably echoing all around me, but... get over it the conversation is far more important than the location that's what i'm going for um hey just uh before we kind of get into some of the nhl ins and outs i I don't know whether you saw like um uk fans anyway have been kind of keeping their eye out uh the elite league in the uk for ice hockey um has actually confirmed a a mini series finally because their league was parked for like over a year um, they're confirmed, like, a series April and May. Uh, four teams are going to do this five-week mini-series that's happening in Nottingham. Uh, but more interestingly, I-, I think, for fans who dip into the NHL, a lot of us have been following, and you have, Joe Long, this guy called Liam Kirk, who is from Great Britain. He had gone over to uh, North America to, you know, he seemed to be like our, our hope, our dreams as UK fans, finally, for, like, a British hockey player to go and break the NHL and reading an article from a guy called Mark Rackham who's um, a friend of the podcast he also does a UK podcast hockey across the pond just talking about the fact that Liam Kirk has had to park his kind of dreams of playing over in North America at the moment it's hoping that he can still get a future with Arizona Coyotes but maybe he might kind of go over the age to go through that. I mean, have you seen this, Jalen? He's coming over to play in this series in the UK with Sheffield Steelers. Um, But just so disappointing for such a youngster that had such great potential, or still does, but it's now going to be even harder for him to break that kind of barrier to get into the NHL. So disappointing.
1: Yeah, the I mean the big thing with Liam Kirk was the was the he was the first kind of British trained throughout his junior career player to then get drafted in the NHL. And as you say, he got trained, uh sorry, he trained in England and then got drafted by the coyotes. And I think one of the reasons why um well apart from British fans obviously getting excited because he's British and he's getting drafted in the NHL, but actually it was because that he came through our ice hockey system. Mm. And if you remember back way back when all those tens of millions of years ago, when ice hockey was happening with fans all over the world, then, you know, uh, team GB were at a point where they were, they were enjoying so much success. Like they'd managed to get into the kind of top tier of double IHF hockey. Um, they then managed to stay there. They were going to play in their second kind of tournament in the top leagues. They played the likes of Canada and the States and Sweden and all this kind of stuff. And the Elite League was coming together. And you had then this kind of this talent in Liam Kirk, who was then tipped to potentially be able to make the NHL. And as for so many people, and I don't know about you, Claire, but I feel very fortunate to be at the age I am when this happened. Like, I feel very fortunate to have been able to kind of establish a career and establish a job and be at the stage that I am in my life when this kind of absolute s storm came around (laughs) because for people in their late teens and early 20s the likes of Liam Kirk those athletes who are you know pushing for the olympics or those athletes who are pushing for for ice hockey and and someone like Liam Kirk this must be such such a difficult time in their lives to try and deal with everything that's going on with the pandemic but also knowing that these are such vital years for your life and your development, and I mean, he uh, Liam Kurt went off and played uh, in Europe for a bit. Um, he then came back here, and I mean, playing playing in the elite league is is probably not what he wants to be doing. And uh, I was following some of the the clips of of him playing in some games and warm up and stuff, and he was absolutely bossing it, which you'd expect. Um, but you just hope, you just hope that he can get back on track and is able to continue that work. And the only thing I'll say for for him is that everybody has had this issue this year and all of the players developing at his age in North America, in America, over here, have all had this kind of really difficult year. And so you, you hope that being able to pick up where he left off or continue and carry on, he'll be able to jump back in there when it is possible. And the fact that he's drafted by an American team is probably a good thing because the chances of him getting over to America and playing for a team sooner rather than later looks like it's going to be a better chance than if he was having to go to Canada. Um, Yeah,
0: I suppose the main thing that really jumps out is he kind of just, he needs the ice time. That's the yeah. crucial thing. And because, yeah. I mean, this is not our our expertise, is it? The AHL, the leagues below are no. not something that we really look at. That's where people like... Caitlin Berry, Mark Rackham really nailed this stuff. They're all over that kind of level. But I can see how frustrating, and you need the ice time. And I think, particularly when you're an up and coming British hockey player, you don't get as much ice time as people who are up and coming in America, in Canada. It's kind of part, like as soon as they can walk, they've got skates on their feet, haven't they? But I think, you know, he's saying that this, this um, contract that he signed with Sheffield Steelers does have out clauses um, so that if uh, he gets the chance to go back and play in North America. Then that's still an option for him. And I guess ultimately he needs ice time to get ready for the World Champs, which we know are hopefully coming up in May in uh, in Latvia.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I was th- your ice time point is a very good one because I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking how you know, I'd, I'd started playing a bit of kind of rec hockey and all this kind of stuff and and was really enjoying it and was absolutely awful, but just embracing the fact that I was getting to play a bit of hockey for real. And, and I was thinking the other day, like I've not been on the ice for like over a year, like because because ice rinks just haven't been open and particularly here where I'm in Wales, like ice rinks have been closed pretty much for the entire year. But and I was thinking, well, hang on, if I can't, onto an ice for just a kind of a, a skate that probably means that you know these hockey players who were professional some of them and all that have also not been able to even get on an ice rink and nobody's doing ice rinks in their back gardens over here and yeah i i think it's going to be really tough and it came at a really tough point for team gb and those kind of athletes there but you've just got to hope that they they reset and the vaccine programs both over here and in the states probably do mean that we you know we might be able to get to some kind of normality with that but but yeah tough year there's also actually on that we I was one thing I was going to mention actually was um, then talk around the draft and how they're going to do that because you know it was last last year which again feels like about 10 years ago but last year there was they kind of got the draft in because they'd had kind of a majority of a year to go on and it wasn't a normal year but they did they were able to get enough data and enough sessions together to be able to put together a draft this year just gone i mean Teams just do not know how they're going to draft players because all of the junior programmes or a lot of the junior programmes and a lot of the lower leagues have just not been playing.
0: Mm, How can they scout? Exactly.
1: How can you you pick a, a, you know, okay, you might be able to pick a first or second overall. I don't know. But beyond that, it's going to be so difficult. And it's such a data driven part of the game. There's there's a lot. I've heard things about, you know, oh, they should delay the draft by year, not have a draft this year and all this kind of stuff, whether they'll go that far or not, who knows. But it, it's going to be a really difficult time for those kind of players coming into the league. And yeah, for somebody like Liam or, or anyone else from kind of outside of the, the kind of North American bubble is going to be a real, real challenge.
0: Hmm. Okay, let's, um, you know, before we get into uh, some of the the different teams, we're, we're gonna reference today, New York Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes, Vancouver Canucks, Arizona Coyotes, Buffalo Sabres, Minnesota Wild. These are some of the teams we're going to get into, but we just need to note for you, uh, do follow this podcast. um, If you're new to us, hello. We're also on Twitter at NHLFansFromAfar. If we do not mention your team, then get in contact with us. Keep the conversation. We pop out a few tweets throughout the week and keep us up to date with what's happening because it is an incredibly tricksy job to keep on top of all the stories and all thirty-one teams across a week when we do this podcast. Soon I'm, to
1: be thirty-two.
0: I know. Two, tip it does good. Tip me over the edge. That is. <laughs> but look, let's let's um, you know. We will we'll, we'll look around um, the league at, at some of those coaching changes as we referenced before. But for me, the, the interesting talking point, I think that really happened this week, which um, sent me off onto a dark rabbit hole of <laughs> geeky research. What a surprise! um was the tom wilson hit on brandon carlo which happened on friday evening uh washington capitals v boston bruins um, it sent twitter into an absolute frenzy and some really interesting articles uh, i've been reading about the reaction to this you know we know that tom wilson has got history um, of suspensions. However, he's not legally classed or wasn't legally classed as a repeat offender because you have 18 months um, between offences to be classed as a repeat offender. Um, I kind of went on two different paths. I, I don't know about you, Jolan. I mean, I, I reached out on our Twitter. We got some response to that, mostly um, a few things. In short, a lot of people called Tom Wilson a prick. Uh, I didn't see many people jumping to the defence of Tom Wilson, I have to say, on Twitter, but then that's just Twitter. The thing that got me really curious about this is just like the process, right? You know, about the process of um, why was there no call during the game? Um, how did they decide that it was boarding and it you know, it wasn't an illegal check to the head? What actually happens in these player safety hearings um you know and then the idea around like subsequent like significant history and repeat offenses and what I didn't actually realize is on the NHL website they obviously post like if you're ever not too sure about how a hit has been decided or deemed you know to be a certain way and you know, why someone's being suspended the way they have. They do the videos, certainly, where they explain. I didn't realise they've actually got, like, a, um, a player safety education series. Have you seen this? No. Um, and they filmed it a few years ago. The accents are... <laughs> they are so cheesy American accents. Like, I don't know. It's, to me, it makes me think of something like Family Guy. But anyway, <laughs> um, that, that's what we get for, like, this you know... Is,
1: this is our hockey player's head. Do not hit it.
0: <laughs> he hits it from behind. Exactly. That is um, not
1: okay. Hit it from the front, guys. Hit it from the front.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what they do on these education videos, um, you know, is they take loads of different clips from over the years and they show here is a legal check, here is a not legal check. It's fascinating. There's oh, tons yeah. of different subjects. If you need to go and learn about the rules, if it's if you're quite new to the sport, definitely really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I mean. Like, the thing with just understanding, like, what really happened in that moment is one thing. But what I really like to kind of get is, like, what happened before that? Because, you know, these moments are like kind of an explosive moment, but that wasn't where it started. And interestingly, um, one of the articles that was in The Athletic oh, damn it, I forget the name of the writer. That's really poor of me, not to credit them, but it was definitely in the Athletic. It talks about how the build-up for that moment actually began earlier in the week, and they played a game, a really tight game on Wednesday, you know, all this kind of intensity. It felt like a playoff game. Um, And actually, in the third period, it was one of the Bruins' um, young fellas, Trent Frederick, who dropped his gloves and basically challenged Ovechkin and Ovechkin said, nah, you're all right, mate. Um, <laughs> I'll leave it. Uh, and, I'm chasing I mean,
1: Gretzky's record here. <laughs> I don't yeah. need a broken wrist.
0: <laughs> and then Wilson in, in the post game, just kind of smiled and just kind of said, you know, uh, I think he was asked the question, like, do you think that Frederick and the Bruins were targeting Ovi and the Caps' top players? And, and Wilson just kind of shot back with a smile, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and but that kind of set the stage and I and, and I think what this writer was implying was because of the more intense schedule it meant that within 48 hours they were playing again. Now normally there might be a little bit of space for that kind of angst to dissipate mm-hmm. so that kind of set the stage I guess. Um, I mean I did actually, look, because obviously Wilson um, has taken, what is it, seven-game suspension, I think?
1: Yeah, seven-game suspension, and it's going to cost him $311,000 in salary as well. I mean,
0: he's he's already been fined uh, nearly a million. Um, I am always really curious with these fines. You know, they go to, like, the Players' Emergency Assistant Fund. I was like, what is the Emergency Mm -hmm. Assistant Fund? Nothing about it online. If anybody listening can tell me what does that get spent on who controls that please please email me but the thing I I was looking at was when do they next play and uh so his suspension ends 20th of March but they next play uh I think on the 9th of April and again on the 12th of April so mark that in your diary as a little one to watch the highlights for
1: Yeah, so just to kind of sum up what you were saying there, so he has had over 30 games or 30 games um, over the course of his eight seasons that he's been suspended for, and he's forfeited $1.2 million in salary um, over that time, and obviously it's different depending on what deal you're on as opposed to how much you get fined for. Um, I think, I mean, uh, the... The horrible bit about this, and the bit that often gets forgotten in in hockey with with hockey culture, is there's a guy in in Brandon Carlo who who kind of got knocked out, and you know is is doing you know according to his coach is doing okay, but he's week it's, to week, isn't he? Yeah, but yeah, and you know he's still going to be he's going to be suffering the kind of the aftermaths of that, and who knows the kind of long term damage that those kind of hits can do. I. I, I, you know, I, there was a lot of talk about whether it was an illegal hit, whether all of this kind of stuff and, and people were saying, well, it's not technically an illegal check to the head, which is the rule that they were looking for originally, because uh, because his head wasn't the majority of the the area that was hit. Um, and then they decided to get him for boarding because you can't use the boards for um, a kind of a, a dangerous tool in your in your hit um,
0: yeah, I mean they've they've basically said because the player was defenceless, that that yeah. was you know, and it, he he couldn't have defended. It. And and actually, when they slowed down the video, you could see like his arm was kind of up, yeah, and which blocked his own field of of vision.
1: But there was all this talk about you know, I mean, Frank Saravali, one of the um, TSN commentators, said something like you know he he believes this is the first time that a player has ever been suspended for hitting a guy who was facing him and all of this kind of stuff. And really, <laughs> I kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe it's because I'm, I'm too far removed from that kind of hockey culture um, with being over here. But I just looked at it and thought, you've got a guy with previous, and yeah, you're right, okay, legally, by the definition of the rules, he doesn't have previous because he hasn't been suspended for 18 months, but he does because he's Tom Wilson. And that would absolutely be part of it. If this was another player, you could look at it and think, oh, that that could be an accident. That might have been a mistake and he might have just gone for the body check and got his angles wrong. It's a fast game. But the fact it was Wilson. And then the fact that when you watch the video, you realise that Tom Wilson 100% had a chance to not do what he did. Like he made a decision to do that. And the guy's head was out and it was there. And I don't really care whether the majority of the hit was on his head or on his body. The guy, it was a horrible one to watch because it... it,
0: Especially slowed down. I mean, the thing is, the battle battle wasn't between him. Wilson came from outside the kind of the play to go across to make that hits. but this like... is what
1: happens isn't it you know you were talking about um you know somebody challenging Ovechkin well the reason why Tom Wilson is on the caps and plays uh, or gets paid as much as he does he is a, a very good NHL forward as well but one of the reasons why he's on that team is to protect the likes of Ovechkin and Oshie and other players on that team so that when they get themselves into a spot of trouble with a nasty bruin, then Tom Wilson will come over and sort that person out but if he can't get hold of that person then all he'll do is pick another player to go at and it's it's a part of the game that is both enjoyable and it kind of morally challenging at the same time because it's a part of the game that we all kind of get hyped up about and the big hits and or and the rivalries and as you say you know Ovechkin got (laughs) who was the guy that challenged Ovechkin what was his name
0: Uh, Trent Frederick,
1: yeah, Trent Frederick. So, in the game before, Avechkin speared him like he basically said, I've had enough, I've had enough of this crap from you. He got fined, he got in between the legs with his stick. And I uh, (laughs) that looks in it very painful, (laughs) very painful injury, albeit potentially short term. Now, Avechkin gets dinged five five grand for that which in in Ovechkin's money is nothing I heard Steve Dangle on, uh, on his podcast say something like that's the equivalent to somebody on um, kind of a normal wage getting a $35 speeding ticket like it it's not <laughs> you know, five grand to you and me is a lot of money five grand to Alexander Ovechkin is change so he probably feels okay about that he probably thinks well I got him it wasn't particularly dangerous and maybe you'll think twice before dropping the gloves with me however what Tom Wilson then goes and does is he escalates it and he, you've got you've got a guy out cold and you've got a guy who could kind of have serious injuries from it. And I just think you they they have to they have to suspend players like that for doing things like that because of that. You just hope that then in that moment when players like that are thinking, shall I follow through with this hit or shall I not? then they will just think twice. And even Uh, if they think twice, the impact of their hit could be considerably less.
0: But, you know, sometimes I do think, like, we've been watching far too much crime drama throughout (laughs) this lockdown, but you kind of think about, like, what the intentions were as well. You know, like, was it murder? Was it manslaughter? (laughs) Did he intend to set out to go and hurt somebody during that game? You know, and that's something that is so... Subjective, it's hard to decide. I guess all the player safety can do is look at that one specific moment, but it doesn't really
1: give you the full picture. But but then, but it's one thing is it's you know, if, if somebody I don't know I'm trying to come up with an analogy but down the true crime road is a dangerous one to come up with analogies so on but let's let's
0: not go down the analogy route here <laughs> no. I already talked about shapes last last week or whenever it was let's not do that but,
1: no so but the thing with Tom Wilson and I I totally get the argument of it's a fast game it's a it's a heavy hitting game things happen and and, and things happen not necessarily meaning the consequences to happen he is the ultimate repeat offender in terms of who is who is on the ice currently in the nhl and one nhl gm who was um texting elliot friedman and he talked about it in the 31 thoughts podcast and he said about how if this wasn't tom wilson nobody's talking about this like this is just one of those hits that was a bad hit whoops like you know feel for the guy who got hit wouldn't get suspended, probably would get a penalty, rightfully so, and then everyone would move on. But then the the feeling is, well, okay, well, I don't feel sorry for Tom Wilson for that fact because the reason why it's a big deal because it's Tom Wilson is because of the things he's done in the past. So, like... The guy, the guy has put a target on his head for everybody to watch and overanalyze what he does because of some of the things that he's done in his past. So the fact he's got seven games when another player who's got a clean record would have probably got none, that's fine. I, mm. yeah, I don't mind that. But it's, it's a difficult conversation to, to listen to over there because there is obviously a real, you know, there's a real kind of feeling that hockey is changing as a game. And it's becoming more skills based and it's becoming faster and it's becoming less physical. And, you know, the, the traditionalists and the people who, who kind of, you know, yearn for a time when you could bulldoze people over into the boards and it'd be just part of the game and, and fighting was part of the game. But it's a real difficult cultural battle that is hard to understand from over here, but is very interesting to watch and listen to from afar.
0: Mm, see, because Peter Lavallette kind of waded in, didn't he, defending uh, for the Washington Caps, but but saying, look, well, you know, maybe we're just at the point where we just have to remove contact. I mean, like, but he, this that, is that's the,
1: just a childish kind of. That's just a childish, like, well, I'm not playing then. Like, you know, this it. and and of course he's going to do that because he's Tom Wilson's coach, and Tom Wilson is one of the key of members course. of his team. And look, and we're going to talk about them later. But look at what's happening in Calgary and look at what's happening with a team that decided not to support their pain in the neck and look at the team capitulate in front of them to the point where now the coach has been fired and their season is fast becoming a bit of a write-off. And so there's a real thing. It's like the Boston Bruins, you know, nobody ever criticizes Brad Marchand, even when he licks opposition players twice Nobody from Boston criticized him for doing that. Well, you know, that's just Brad or, you know, he Brad had a great game and they will back him because he's a teammate and that's what they're supposed to do. 30 teams will get angry at Brad Marchand for doing something. One team won't. The trouble is, like in Calgary, when your own teams start going, oh, this is a bit much, and they will see Tom Wilson as a, the Capitals will see Tom Wilson as a huge asset. And hey, if I was playing ice hockey, I would want Tom Wilson on my team. Because if anybody did anything to me, I'd know that he's going to go and sort them out for me.
0: Hmm. And if he's it's... on my
1: team, he's not on the opposition's team. And that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> you know what? It's not the first time we've talked about Tom Wilson. Would we want him on, his t- on our team or not? Is it on this podcast? I mean, I remember ABS fan Steve Edwards when he was on and he was absolutely, vehemently, that guy should not be in the league whatsoever. So there are many different polarising opinions.
1: Would you have him on the Leafs? Because I genuinely can't remember the conversation. But would you have him on the Leafs? The Leafs are looking for a top-line, gritty player. There's not enough with Simmons and Muzzin and all these guys. They want one more.
0: (laughs) No. I I have to be honest. I don't like his style. I don't like his game. I I mean, I also kind of think like... These guys, especially in the Leafs as well and the Toronto market, it's all about being a good role model and I don't think he's a good role model for what would fit in the Toronto market.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. And I think it's a huge difference when a player comes through your system and is with you for a long time because you kind of, you see the highs and the lows of that player. And Mm. whereas, yeah, I think (laughs) at this point in their career, any, any team picking up Tom Wilson not like imagine him leaving the caps but it would be a real kind of moral quandary because you've probably said some quite bad things about him in the
0: past. (laughs) So the um, uh, one thing I did share on our Twitter account actually was when I was googling what is Tom Wilson and the Boston Bruins history Um, I, I tweeted this video that I found on YouTube which basically slows down and gives some hilarious commentary. It's not an official account by any mean, but it slows down this kind of like pileup that happens between Ovechkin, Pasternak, Tom Wilson, Brad Marshan, they're all at it. And the, the refs are even amongst them, like all the players on top of the, the linesman. It's hilarious. And if you just have uh, like two minutes 42, when you need a little smile in your life right now, go find that on our Twitter account because it is an absolute ridiculous joy. It even references their haircuts and how the importance when uh, you're sat in the penalty box and your helmet's off of having a great haircut. Um, what I would say that I did not know, right? You know how they kind of put out the press um, release about this person is going to have an an in person hearing or a telephone hearing. That actually, that that kind of gives you an in- indication of how many games that they're potentially looking at. So if they're likely to get five games or less, it'll be a telephone hearing. If it's going to be six games or more, it'll be an in-person hearing. And I was like, who's actually even at a part of these hearings? So apparently it's got the player, it's got the GM, it's got the whoever the hell the members are of the uh, NHLPA. Uh, the agent is also there, uh, as well as senior members of player safety. Um which I didn't, I actually know all those people. I didn't know the lo- agent was in a part of that.
1: I love how they said Tom Wilson will be offered an in-person hearing. And as you said, Clara, I went, Ooh, that means he's probably going to get more than five games. Yeah. And the in-person hearing was of course on Zoom. <laughs> so, so the in-person hearing was on the phone. Oh, huh. but you're offered an in-person one, which means, you, does that mean he has to put his camera on? Do you think? <laughs> yeah exactly you have to put your zoom camera on if it's a phone one now that's fine audio only mate you're all fine
0: yeah because you have the option of like calling in on zoom as well don't you so then yeah oh i didn't even think about that all right ring in tom it's
1: fine it's just a phone one
0: did he have a background as well where it had like the boston bruins wallpaper that would be even better wouldn't it
1: oh I do I, wonder in those. I, you know, the fly on the wall in those kind of scenarios would be the most fascinating thing ever. And if you ever, if you ever hear podcasts or interviews with former um, heads of NHL player safety, it's always very interesting to. They never give you names obviously but they'll tell you that there were scenarios when people are really apologetic and really sorry about what they did and then it's trying to work out whether that was the ke- whether it's true whether they're just trying to get off the suspension and then others who come in and they're just like yep did it we'll do it again <laughs> how many games <laughs> you think right great
0: <laughs> imagine zoom bombing a player's hearing—that would be brilliant. Do you remember when we got the phone number for the uh, the video review room in Toronto, and we tried yeah, calling yeah, yeah. it whilst we recorded a podcast to see if anyone would answer? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, imagine zoom bombing that—you'd be so nervous. You'd have to have a fake name. You wouldn't have your own name on on the Zoom. Like, anyway, we digress. This is a podcast about hockey, not about Zoom. Yeah, the things going on around the league. So I was just kind of like looking at. You know who's on who's on great streaks. I mean, let me just give you a recap, and then we'll we'll kind of break it down. So these are my headlines that I picked up this week. New York Islanders win five in a row. They're top of the East Division, although other ga- other teams have games in hand. And Carolina- they beat
1: Buffalo, didn't they beat Buffalo five two like three times in a row? I think they beat Buffalo five two like three games running brutal brutal oh, run they're on I mean
0: Sabres have lost seven in a row you know and let's Jeez. just remind ourselves that they have missed the playoffs for nine years um Carolina Hurricanes went five in a row they're still flying high Vancouver Canucks have actually won three in a row and by the way they played the most games in the league at the moment 29 games and interestingly um road wins, Arizona Coyotes have actually got five road wins um, in a row. Uh, I was looking at like kind of where we're at in things like power play and penalty kill because now we've played a few more games, it gets a bit more interesting. So top three in the league for power play at the moment, Toronto, Maple Leafs, uh, not too surprised about that. Chicago, Blackhawks, I was like, oh really? The third one, I was like, "Uh, is this correct? The third one? is Buffalo Sabres, are number three in the league for power play. My God, Um, the rest
1: of their team must be bad.
0: Yeah, but then penalty kill, usual contenders, Boston Bruins, Vegas Golden Knights, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I think what was was also interesting was uh, looking at uh, how many people uh, have picked up wins against the... uh, I think an article described them as cellar-dwelling Ottawa Senators. In the Canadian division, right? So you look: Jets have got four out of five wins against the Ottawa Senators. Vancouver have won all three matchups. Oilers have won all four matchups. Leafs are three one on one. Um, so basically, when you play the Ottawa Senators, you've got to get points, and that's I think is who Calgary Flames are. Um, well i think they've done actually they played this week or they're going to so yeah, they yeah. need to pick up points there
1: somebody so- said that though so we, about the ottawa senators and they were like oh well you know leafs you got you got the ottawa senators in your league or something like that and the leafs record as you said as you pointed out actually isn't that good against ottawa like we we've lost one and and one in overtime as well but then uh, the, the arguments there that you've got, well, okay, you've got Ottawa who are, you know, a, a struggling team, ironically on the same amount of points as the Dallas Stars. But anyway, I didn't want to make a big deal about that. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, New Jersey, Detroit, Buffalo are all below Ottawa with the games that they've played and uh, they, all right, they've played less games, but not that many. And that is one good thing now with the standings is that while there are a few teams that are still like Dallas and a few others, they have still got way less games. It is starting to get a little bit more like normal in terms of how many games played. So you don't have these absolute weird stats where a team is miles off, but then of course they've played half the number of games. And it's starting to become a little bit more something you can look at as a league table. He would say, as a Leafs fan who's currently top of the NHL.
0: I mean, we kind of reference Calgary Flames, Montreal Canadians in yeah. a second because I think that's interesting. Minnesota Wild, you, you referenced so a really yeah. nice little moment as well last night, wasn't it, when um, the rookie goalie uh, got, a, got his first career shut out. Um, He's been good. A really nice. And actually, I, I looked on the Minnesota Wild. They were running a little campaign on their Twitter account where they uh, were asking for people to suggest what headline they should uh, run for the game recap. Just looking at some of the options that people had tweeted in. Uh, Kakonan keeps on moaning. No cap for Kako. A Wild night with a K, not a N, nice. uh, for Capo. Wild tip their cap. With a K to Vegas. I mean, I love that kind of pun stuff. But yeah. a nice little moment that actually, here's a guy who's a who's a rookie, and apparently he owns the longest win streak by a rookie goaltender in Minnesota Wild history. There's a way to enter the league. Wow. There's been seven some, games.
1: As I say, I mentioned last week, there's been some really good backup goaltending from from some of these guys who have come in and done. Exceptionally well in their backup games, and yeah, Minnesota's another one. Um, I was listening to 31 Thoughts the other day, and uh, they were interviewing I've just I think it was Jared Spurgeon. I think I'm just trying to check who it was before I talk about it too much, but um, and it was really interesting because yeah, uh, captain of the Minnesota Wild, whoever the captain of the Minnesota Wild is, that's who they interviewed. Um, and it was really interesting because they are a bit of a uh, <laughs> they're a butt of a a butt of hockey jokes Minnesota every now and again, just because they've been a bit boring and a bit kind of, you know, they, they make the playoffs and go out in the first round and all of that kind of stuff. And they're, they're never really a team that does a hell of a lot, but it's, it's such a, it's such a passionate fan base there. And they've got such um, Jared Spurgeon was saying they've got such a good group this year that it's a real kind of team mentality in Minnesota this year. And that, that makes sense when you look at their roster, because I can't actually think of anybody who's on it. Like there aren't any kind of superstars or big names that you look out for. Um, And they've, they've kind of built this team and they've got some really kind of um, strong goaltending this year as well. And they, they just seem like maybe this is a year that if they can build that team mentality together, then they could maybe go on a run this year and certainly watching them last night against Vegas, they made, the top of the honda west team look pretty ordinary on offense and i mean fair play to them they're they're in a they're in a league where there was a spot to to take in the west division there was probably a fourth spot that was up for grabs and it looks like they might be the ones who take it but they're um they're an interesting team the wild this year and i've gone from kind of being very kind of Non-fussed about them to to listening to this interview and and I'll uh, keep an eye out for them this year because it be it would be nice to see if they could have a bit of a run.
0: Mm, Jared Spurgeon is the captain. Um, yes. So they they uh, like Toronto didn't make the playoffs. They they lost their playoffs qualifier, so yeah. they were kind of in the run. And the year before they didn't make the playoffs, so they've had they've had
1: some they've had some you know their their team's been a mess since they signed a couple of huge contracts way back when. So kind of the 12 13 year contracts that are now illegal and and they they've kind of been paying for that but they have they you know they have made some moves and they have kind of moved some people around and this new this new kid they've got who is kind of taking the nhl by storm um whose name temporarily escapes me but is um oh, what's his name he's uh he's in my fancy team kaprasov Kaprosov. Mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it's Kaprosov. um And he's, you know, a really good kind of story there. And and Jarrett Spurgeon was asking, was being asked about him and what he's like and just saying he's, he's a kid who just really enjoys playing hockey and he just really enjoys being out there. And he's kind of really fun and, and, he was saying how his his English is is far better than perhaps the media might think. And I always wondered that with uh, with players who English isn't their first language in sports, when they do those media interviews and they kind of, you know, they stumble their way through answers and they don't really kind of, you know, they get the translation a little bit wrong or they use a translator and all this kind of stuff. And part of me does wonder whether it's just their way of getting away from it and who could blame them because they're probably English is way better than they say. And uh, in a locker room, great. But then if you go out in the face of the media, now nah, I'm going to slow this right down.
0: <laughs> you know, um, the head coach, Dean Evason, so he was from um, uh, Minnesota World, he was promoted last season. So this is his first full season. As a head coach in the NHL interesting that um, he was an assistant coach at Washington Capitals for many years and even more interesting that when he was a player one of the teams that he played for for two seasons was Dallas Stars and also Calgary Flames so that seems like a seamless link to talk about the Calgary Flames what are we thinking about Calgary, because it just, uh, you know, it it, we're kind of going over some old news here That's because this has happened in the last, like, what, five days, probably six days now. Daryl Sutter as head coach, um, Jeff Ward, see you later. I love how they say relieved of his duties. Um, So so it sounds like, you know, Daryl's in for this season plus two. He's a guy who has obviously been about the NHL, league for a long time, but I had never really read up on him. I quite enjoyed learning about his history, you know, two Stanley Cups. Also reading some of the articles about from former players of what is he like as a coach? It sounds like people kind of use the word he's very direct. He says what he thinks. He's quite tough on the youngsters, not so tough on the veterans. He just expects them to do things. He was never someone who kind of yells on the bench. He was more of someone who, when it came, like you'd expect your line to go, he would kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, nope, not this time, and send another line out. And that was your warning that you were being watched. Um, People have called him quite a black and white coach as well. Like he knows what he likes and, you know, he'll get business done. But his history, you know, 18 years experience of coaching in the NHL. But the fact that he kind of was flown into LA Kings when was it 2014 halfway through the season and by the time the season was over they won the Stanley Cup Um, I mean I'm not quite sure with current situations well who knows what to expect that seems like a big ask but hey this is hockey right
1: it's, it's a difficult one. So Calgary currently sit sixth in the uh, Scotia North. So they played 26 games, which is exactly the same number that the Leafs have played. Calgary have got 25 points and the Leafs have got 38. So they're a long way off, you know, being the best team in the North. And on paper you would suggest that, okay, you've got the McDavid-Dryside effect, but you would suggest that Calgary should be up there with the, one of the top teams in the North when you look at their team on ice. And they have been a team that has been so disappointing for so long and the team that has been able to do it in the regular season, but they're not during the playoffs. And when they added Markstrom this year, you thought, Okay, so now what they've done is they've added a stellar goaltender, arguably probably the best goaltender that was available to be picked up. They've added him and they've kept most of their other players around and added some others from Vancouver too. And it's just been a real kind of disappointing season. And I remember back to when they, because, you know, they went through all of the kind of the coaching issues um, where they kind of, you know, fired their players coach and through all of the kind of bullying stuff and they moved on from that and a lot of the talk from Brad Treliving, the GM was that you know uh, <laughs> Jeff Ward was the, the person who he put in there and he was going to be the coach and previously I think before before their last coach there'd kind of been a bit of locker room dis- uh, disruption and the, the the locker room had kind of had enough of a, of a coach once and all said right We've had enough. We, we can't deal with this guy. And they, you know, moved on from that coach and all this kind of stuff. But for Bradshaw living, that felt like that was the one time that that could happen. And he's not just going to let his players dictate coaches and all this kind of stuff. So Jeff Ward being fired was a surprise because really they have what they haven't done is they haven't moved any of that kind of core uh, the core of their team on. They haven't tried to refresh it or change it. It's very much Johnny Goudreau, um, players like that. And they've just been a team that has kind of for, for years and years and years been disappointing to their fans and had so much potential and promise, but never really been able to do it come playoff time. And I think one of the most interesting kind of, turning points this season was when um, the Flames played the Leafs and um, Matthew Kachuk, who is, uh, again, talking of Wilson and people like that, he's the type of player you 100% want on your team and he's the type of player, if he's not on your team, you don't want him in the league.
0: And you also, if he's on your fantasy team, you would like him to get lots of points. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and and not get suspended or anything. Um, So he, he is the type of player that... As an opposition fan, you look at and you think, oh, God, like this guy again. And you can see it from the players as well. Like whenever they play him, you know, he's going to be a thorn in your side. And he 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 makes up rivalries out of nothing. And so for the Leafs, it was Jake Muzzin that took on um, Matthew Kachuk. And there was a bit of a to and fro and all this kind of stuff. And it ended there. The game ended between the Leafs and the flames and uh, the Leafs won that game and Muzzin just kind of like flicked the puck at the after the final horn he kind of flicked the puck at matthew kachuk now this wasn't a slap shot this was nothing that would hurt and he kind of but but a real kind of <laughs> a real kind of not a great move anyway matthew kachuk loses it of course he does and there's a big brawl and all this kind of stuff and But what was so interesting at the end was Matthew Kachuk's reaction as he was walking down the bench and down the tunnel was he was furious, like absolutely furious. He was smashing things, breaking things on the bench. He was hitting the wall. He was furious. And initially, I looked at that as he's just really annoyed that he's lost and he's annoyed that Muzzin did what he did, but a bit of an overreaction. Turns out, from, from what I've read, is that what he was annoyed about so much was actually that his team didn't back him up. And that actually, the reaction on ice and, and around from the rest of his team wasn't what he wanted. He wanted more. And he felt like he'd gone to, you know, he put everything out there. He'd, he'd kind of thrown the hits. He'd got into scuffles. He'd done all of this stuff. And his team just weren't interested in backing him up. And we talked about it earlier with Tom Wilson is... The one thing you do with your pest or your enforcer or your whoever it is, is you back them up. Because otherwise, what incentive do they have to go out and do what they do? They're putting their body and everything on the line for their team. And if their team don't then show them kind of that undying love and support back, what is the point? There is none. And ever since then, who knows whether that was the turning point, but the results would suggest it was. The results have been all over the place, and some really bad losses and some bad runs of games and things like that. And you know that has ended up with the coach uh, being fired. But there's been quite a few coaches now through Calgary and and under Brad Trilliving's time there. And the the one thing that has not been touched is the kind of the core players. And
0: yeah this this is the this is the part of the debate i suppose as i've listened to various different podcasts read lots of different articles listen to some of the i like to go and look at listen or watch some of the post game interviews that you get you go on like to the teams youtube and you see it like unedited like i mean most of them are on zoom so it's a bit crap anyway but rather than watch it like on the broadcasters that like, give you little snippets go watch it because i think you really see the raw emotion the thing that most people are talking about is what more can a coach do? What more can a GM do right now? Like in a pandemic yeah. season, it is down to your veteran players to sort themselves out and come up with the goods. Like you cannot be doing these magic trade deals no. like how they used to be. So ultimately, like this is this is your lot. Get your head down and get on with it is what some of the, the opinions I've heard. And I kind of really thought, like not wishing to like broad brush this, but you look at what's happening in Montreal um, Canadians, right? New coach, they fire the goalie coach. And yeah. I'm like, at what point? Game. And, and, and what, listening to that really awkward zoom interview uh, with the gm i forget his name Mark Bergevin. right it was painful because he was almost like kind of on the defense straight away and the journalist quite rightly was saying at what point you kind of say hmm is this really down to carrie price to sort his crap out you know what i mean to like get up what firing coaches it's a bit like you know, you can have a conductor of an orchestra on stage, but ultimately it's the people who are making the music that are gonna make this thing either work or not. The conductor waving a little stick ain't gonna help the situation, (laughs) right? And and I think that was a fascinating situation. And we look at that, you know, not wishing to go into Toronto Maple Leafs fans, but we've had such an up and down, up and down last few seasons that I look at this season and think, there's something in the locker room, the gelling of the team. They seem to be backing each other. There's more of that depth where, as a team, as veterans, we've got we're not as young as we used to be as well, which I think helps. But like, I just don't see what all this coaching, chopping, and changing really, really does. Well, it's you know, because it, it's
1: all it's all GMs can do. In a way, Mm -hmm. because as you say, particularly in Canada and, you know, there's all this talk of the the North Division being easy and all this kind of stuff. And even though stats don't suggest that there is all of this talk about that. But actually, Canadian GMs have got a nightmare of a job because their hands are totally tied with quarantine, because if they go out. So say you're Brad Living, you want to move a Johnny Goodrow or you want to move somebody on the Calgary Flames. And you want to do a big blockbuster trade with chances are a US team because you're not going to trade within your division. And so you trade your Johnny Goodrow to the I'm making this up, but the Buffalo Sabres for Jack Eichel. I don't know, whatever. And Jack Eichel comes over to Calgary, and then Jack Eichel has to have two weeks quarantine. Then he's sitting there with no games for two whole weeks, doing nothing. He is against your cap hit from the moment that trade happens. So you're paying for that player for two weeks to sit on the bench with no results. So the only thing you can do as a Canadian GM and to a certain extent, American GMs as well, because a lot of teams are saying, do you, don't you dare Mr. GM spend any money this season It is dollars in dollars out because we cannot afford any more money to be coming out of this hockey team. We're already burning through millions as owners and so the only thing you can really do is fire the coach. And it's harsh because it because it's the only thing that GMs have to try and show that they're doing something about it.
0: To the, to the fans, yeah. I mean, is there even going to be a trade deadline this season?
1: Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's like April or something or other. But, but the Canadian trade deadline essentially is is now. Like it's kind of middle of March, they were saying, because if you want to get a player in time for the playoffs and everything and in through quarantine, you're going to have to be making those moves now. But I mean, it, it's really difficult. And actually it makes you think it's amazing that that whole Patrick Lyon, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade happened cross border because it shows how much of a desire there was to make that work, even though there was things like quarantine to add in. Now I'm not saying there shouldn't be quarantine or all that kind of stuff because that, there's a reason why it's there. However, just from a sporting point of view, which is what this podcast is about is a real kind of you know disadvantage for those Canadian GMs in, in being able to make any moves. So you, so as Brad Living and the same with Mark Bourgevin in Montreal. I mean, they fired their goalie coach. The reason why they fired their goalie coach is because they can't get rid of Gary Price on a ten million dollar contract. Gary Price is gold plated Montreal Canadien until he wants to be, or sorry, until he doesn't want to be. And so, what are you going to do? carry's not going he's got an 88 save percentage or something like that so how are you going to get him going well uh, maybe maybe him and his golden coach aren't getting on too well i need to be seen to be doing something about this and that is all that they've got and i would imagine a lot of ownerships to be honest i would imagine a lot of ownership groups are saying to their gms don't you dare fire that coach because then we've got to pay him and then we've got to pay another guy and if you do fire him then you've got to recruit internally because we are not paying for him and then paying for another coach. And that's probably why you've got these coaches like Gerard Gallant and coaches like that who have not been brought into clubs and all of the recruiting has been done internally because they just cannot afford to do it. Or they certainly don't want to spend that money on coaches. It's a fascinating year for, mm. for sports and sports management and how these teams are surviving. And you can imagine the, the trade deadline is um, they're, they're talking about it being, a uh, you know, many, many teams are happy to sell players, rental players. And, and you know, Buffalo have, have kind of Elliot Friedman said on Saturday headlines, he said, Buffalo is an open, <laughs> is an open shop. You can come, come here and have a look at whatever player you want. And of course, Taylor Hall is is a big name that they've been talking about who could be moving and all this kind of stuff. And, but but what incentive is there if, if for any of those teams who know that they haven't got a chance of winning the thing this year? What incentive is there to try and be better for this year? There isn't any. And there's certainly no appetite from ownership because it's not even that you can bring in a big player like Buffalo did the other year with Wayne Simmons and and somebody else, I can't remember. But they brought in players in, even though it looked like they were going to miss the playoffs. Because if they had got to the playoffs, then the potential ticket revenue and potential thing of having those big names players playing for you was enough appetite for ownership to spend that money they won't have that this year because even though fans are coming back it's small numbers so it's going to be such a weird trade deadline and i think as you say we're going to see some more of these weird kind of tinkering kind of coaching shuffling going on in um internally within teams because there's just not an appetite to spend money
0: yeah and the knock on and the impact that's having as well i suppose you know from where we started in in how that impacts you know the world championships how it impacts the UK league the European leagues you know it's I do find it fascinating I mean I've only got one thing that I just like wanted to reference um just to kind of finish up The, the the coverage of International Women's Day I thought across the NHL was quite interesting I kind of had an eye open seeing what they were doing I saw that um, NHL Network, for the fourth year running, did um, an all-female production of their daily show, um, NHL Now. I think you used to be able to watch it on YouTube as a UK fan. I don't know whether you can still do it. Um, and a really interesting article that came out by uh, Sean Shapiro on The Athletic. Uh, it's called Behind the NHL Network's All-Woman Production, and it was a roundtable table. Uh, with Jamie Hirsch, Lauren Gardner, and Jackie Redmond. And in it, Sean doesn't write very much. He just writes the questions, and he lets their answers dictate the article. But I thought it was very, very eye-opening about um, the type of response that they've had becoming uh, female broadcasters, um, the critiques they've had to face, um, almost people like assuming, oh, well, you got that interview with that player because you were flirting, um, the debate that really they don't want to be seen as great female broadcasters they want to be seen as great broadcasters kind of rippled on um, and also another article that came out about a book and I didn't know uh, about these two twins um, the where have I got their name uh, the Lamaroo twins okay so these are very two very uh, famous female hockey players, are part of USA Hockey. Uh, they've since retired, um, but they've put out this book, which is called Dare to Make History. It's called Chasing a Dream and Fighting for Equity. And they were talking about um, how USA Hockey had, for many, many years behind closed doors, really just shunned any kind of... Uh, support financially in terms of resources for the USA hockey team obviously what came out in 2017 was this boycott when the the women's team um basic turnaround said we're not going to play the IIHF um Women, um, women's world championships. Until you start paying us on equal terms to what the men get paid, and you start giving us better resources. And in this book, there are some excerpts you can read online. They talk about it. They even talk like about whether well, jerseys. Like they, they, there was a special Nike did the special jersey, and they they put the the years that the men's team had got gold, but they completely ignored the fact that the women's team had gold too, and eventually they came out and apologised and redid it. Um, I thought it was just really interesting to hear these stories. I do think it's also a bit tokenistic because I look at something like Hockey Night in Canada, which has now got one, sometimes two, female panellists, but I think that they could do a lot better. fine to have an all-female production once a year, but what are you doing to make it a bigger thing moving forwards?
1: I did. It- yeah and i thought it was interesting that because i watched hockey night in canada this this weekend just gone and um obviously there was mention of uh, kind of international women's day and and they had a couple of they did have a couple of extra hosts on who were women the what was what was quite nice i guess and shows that things are progressing in the right direction even though it might be slower than um perhaps we'd want is that it wasn't a shock to see a woman on a panel now, which it didn't jump out initially as oh, interesting, which not that many years ago it would have been. And it would highlight it would show up so much more as a gesture, whether it's a token gesture or the right thing to do or not is a different debate for a different day. But it's certainly having uh, having a female on the hockey night in Canada panel would have been a real kind of like oh that's interesting and you don't often see that whereas there as you say there were there were two uh women who were on the on the panel on Saturday night and that felt normal and that felt part of what watching hockey night in Canada and other hockey coverage has been like this year and and what's so nice as well is that when they were talking about some of these kind of dream gap tour and um, WHPL uh, games that have been going on now, there was, um, they did some kind of commentary and, and some highlights of a game that had happened earlier on in the other day. And I actually recognized like half a dozen of the names that they were mentioning in the game because they'd been analysts and they'd been part of hockey broadcasts that I'd seen over the last year or so. Um, and I don't know. I, I while yeah I totally get that there are still a lot of frustrations and a lot of kind of it feels a bit you know it hasn't gone quick enough progress has been made in terms of there are you know I'm so much more aware now of some of the kind of big names of uh, women's ice hockey in North America because of them bringing them onto that platform and I mean what a what a progression it's been since you had Coach's Corner to where we are now. Like it is a, it is a big change and it's a good change. And hopefully, as you say, more and more with that, because some of the, you know, some of the panelists they've got on. You know, I ultimately I want I want panelists, as we said right at the beginning, I want them to be entertaining. That is the thing I want to do. I want to be informative and entertaining. And whether they are women playing the sport, whether they are black men playing the sport, whether they are whoever you are, that is the platform that you want to be on. And you want to see people um, thrive in that environment. And that is what they have really, I don't know, they've really embraced. And uh, they've made some big steps, more to do, absolutely, but steps in the right direction.
0: I think that the reality is, as someone who coaches other women to start podcasts for a living, There's quite a few women who feel afraid to kind of speak up with their opinion and their thoughts. But in reality, 50% of hockey fans are men. 50% of hockey fans are women. If you're a woman listening to this podcast, get in contact. I don't need to hear from boys all the time. Help me (laughs) out here. I need say. to. we need to balance the hormones sometimes yeah. and i want to hear from people because actually i i have been doing hockey broadcasting now for six years yeah. i did it on tv for a little bit and the and what the boys who were on the panels with me used to see when when we had the tweets come in they were horrified about how perfect i had to be as a broadcaster, as a woman, compared to the guys who would get away with little blips. I Women sometimes have to be absolutely perfect, because whether it's what we wear, whether it's how we sound, whether it's something we don't know, whether it's something we mispronounce, we're ready to be critiqued. And I just think it's best to have like a safe space where everybody can share their opinions, make it burn, make it safe. You know, you don't have to be nasty to each other. So it's... Um, it's one that I think I kind of look at this and, and feel quite personal because I had some very very horrible hateful messages, um, which made me dip out ultimately of broadcasting and doing stuff with the Elite League, which is why I prefer to stick with the NHL. Um, but I think that also when you go as a presenter, you kind of expect it, so it's developing. Top I've, skin, I've, it? I've
1: said to you, Claire, I regret sending those to you now. Like I've said, <laughs> I've said so many times that I was I was in the wrong and it was wrong but um <laughs> no it is, it is it is it is so true and it w- you, what you were saying then uh, made me think of something that i heard the other day which was um it just made me laugh because what do you what do you call three middle class white blokes sitting around a table talking a podcast
0: no that's a bit old now it's not like that anymore but it's so but it true But be. it is so yeah.
1: true in terms of you do look out at the, and you're right there is so much more out there which is great and there are so many more different voices you can hear but are oh, absolutely like it is it's so much more interesting like life is so much more interesting when you open your horizons beyond your immediate kind of social bubble and i think one of the things this year of all the years to kind of talk about it is i've missed all of that so much i miss it just being the fact that it's only in my kind of on my phone and on my tv is the only kind of way that you get to see other parts of the world and other opinions and other ways of doing things so the more voices that we can get on this podcast the more voices that can be on other podcasts and on tv shows and stuff the absolute better
0: yep yeah right worthiness over um back yeah, to God, that was a hell of a
1: way to finish wasn't it Oof.
0: it was deep we don't often get deep but we, we offer an array of emotions um and rants and you know all, all the colors are represented um and hopefully we haven't banged on too much about the toronto maple leafs so um, i find
1: it i did, i find it hard to rant about sport this year i don't know i don't know why i think is that because think... you just feel
0: grateful that you've actually got a chance to watch it
1: Yeah, I feel grateful I got a chance to watch it. I feel grateful to kind of be alive and to not be massively affected by everything that's going on right now. And yeah, I find it very difficult to to kind of get Hugely angry about sports, which is quite nice given my teams, is actually quite useful.
0: I think, in in a world where in the UK, anyway, it's been very boring the last few months, that it's nice to have something else to think about. And I'm, you know, yeah, maybe five games in eight days is a bit too much for me for Maple Leafs, but I'll happily still.
1: (laughs) It's a uh, bit too much for the Maple Leafs if you look at their record.
0: Probably, but I'll happily dedicate three hours every Sunday morning to watching my team, and that's that. Anyway, we, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, we always end up rabbiting so much about these topics. Um, do let us know what you're thinking. Where is your heart?s Where is your heads for this NHL season? How is your team faring? Who has surprised you? All that kind of stuff. Come, uh, You can email us if you are not on Twitter, NHLFansFromAfar at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us, NHLFansFromAfar. I'm Claire, he's Jolon, And that is
1: i'm gonna go for a nap now
0: yes i think that that's very true and i better go and crack on back in the office and look like i've been doing some work for an hour (laughs) have a great week whatever you get up to